as bad as you know this virus is and how it's affected everyone super negatively i think there's definitely been some positive um changes and opening of eyes if that makes sense hello everyone welcome to the 20th episode of the unofficial last year film podcast um, today I am joined by Chris Kenton and the Long Division team, Eric, Alex, and John. Say hello, everybody. Yo. Hello, hello. 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 <laughs> Today's topic is um, production after COVID-19. Speculative, but also the county uh, Los Angeles County, that is, um, just today at, at the day of recording, um, June, June 12th, has released their guidelines for reopening the film um, industry, along with uh, several others, including music, television, and the theaters, too, in general. Some brief uh, overview guidelines have been, you know, like testing for employees, um, crew needs to have face masks, food can only be single service and no buffet style. Disinfecting everything. I think theaters are at 25% capacity. Um, we're at a maximum of 100 as of June 12th, uh, Friday, June 12th. Um, but uh, today's podcast will we'll be mostly talking about like our opinions on the guidelines, how we think um, things will operate from here and moving forward into, or at least until we have a vaccination, everything can resume as normal pre-COVID. Um, so for the first question, let's just talk about the guidelines and how we think um, production will start with these guidelines in COVID. Um, so I'll start with Alex. What do you think um, sets, or how, like, how do you think the film industry will react to the, the guidelines, at least in the next couple months? Hmm. I mean, I don't know. Honestly, some of these things aren't that, uh, aren't too bad. You know, I don't even think it's a good idea to like be going out there right now. I don't know. Like people are still getting it and there's no like, you know, vaccination or anything for it. So <laughs> it just kind of went away all of a sudden. And I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I'll be the first one to like jump back into a set with a bunch of people. And because I feel like every set I've ever been on is like super crowded and you're always in a small room, and, you know. So I don't know if anyone, hopefully, other people share that <laughs> opinion. But um, I think personally, I'm not dying to, obviously I'm dying to work and get back to that, but like, I don't know. I think it's a little too early to be honest. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, especially now since think... <clears throat> cases are on the rise again and it seems like they've set this date that they want to reopen and they're just going to stick to it regardless of what is actually happening in actuality with, with cases and, and the amount of people actually transmitting yeah, and I think another thing, too, that's tricky is that it feels a little bit to me like they're trying to fit a mold on the film industry that, 
you know, is more kind of in line with maybe some more standard like businesses, like an office situation or something like that, where like, you know, okay, we can put all these things in place to like start working again, but then the way things work, if cases start picking back up again, we can like shut it down, especially for like what they're really targeting with these things, like big, large scale productions, like those things take so much time to wind up and wind down that like, I don't know, what if you get like a month and a half into like, you know, your pre-pro on some big movie and then cases spike again. Like, it'll be interesting to me to see, even with the rules in place, like how the studios and the companies themselves actually choose to move forward. Because like, I could see on one hand, people just wanting to try and jump in and get the machine turning again. But then I could also see there being, you know, rightly so, some reservations about the fact that like, okay, well, I guess we're allowed to do this now, but what happens, like, even just purely from, like, I'm going to say, like, a business financial perspective, like, it seems like it'd be unwise, or a lot of these companies would consider it unwise to, like, start this thing turning again with the high likelihood that we could potentially even experience, like, another shutdown in the fall, you know? So I think that's that's what I'm really interested to see is even with the regulations loosening if if that means that like the floodgates are going to open or not you know yeah and it's a, a little bit hard for film sets that are <clears throat> essentially like spending so much money uh every moment they're on set um to follow regulations so strictly because i mean especially when when tensions are high like the first thing to go is going to be safety if you just need to move unless people are willing to shell out a lot more money to make sure that sets can actually move slowly, which we all kind of know that sets like don't move slowly. And when you don't move slow, um, I mean, you touch a lens and you touch like certain pieces of equipment and like pretty soon, like everybody's touched that. And like there's sometimes isn't time to really be thorough about all your movements, all your motions and like just, be being mindful of everything you touch um, or who you interact with. That's hard to like fit that kind of mold onto how film sets actually work. Yeah, to kind of add to everything there, I think Eric hit it really importantly that there's no real one size fits all for the film industry because you have large scale companies that have these massive productions and then you have small indie productions and then you have smaller like student level productions and all of those are going to have varying levels of safety and security and resources and especially like eric said it's like to start up and then you know really get the train rolling again is going to cost a lot more time and effort and energy than previously so seeing how you know people with certain resources and means start back up into this space is going to be really interesting and how much care and how much precision is taken with each step along the way yeah, I think one thing that COVID has definitely shown is how fast something can spread between the whole community and the whole country and the whole the whole world. And like some of the guidelines um, that the LA County has released um, have been, you know, disinfecting a piece of equipment every single time someone touches it, and then their person needs to use it. You know, dis disinfecting vehicles, you know, disinfecting costumes um, if they're ever if they're ever shared. So 
like that in itself, um, kind of like you said, John, would cost a lot of money just to like make sure everyone's following those guidelines. And then like also from a financial standpoint, you know, these studios have been losing a lot of money um, ever since, uh, you know, theaters have been shut down. Um, so a lot of them are turning to streaming services, but for like AMC, I think I, I was reading an article that they lost um, 2.4 like billion revenue in the past um, three months. Um, just in terms of like having to clear everything down and that they ha- you know have all their employees they need, they need to have paid for um, during this time. Uh, it's a huge hit. And, you know, I, I, I think we all get that, you know, the U.S. is trying to restart the economy and get things moving so um, everybody can, like, spend money again. But, you know, kind of like what you're saying, Alex, is not really plausible and like Eric um, like and it's a, you know really the best idea to start now um, and try and get things moving slowly as compared to you know wait a little longer and then um, like start you know in the fall or you know maybe even next year when like things have like when the curve is like starting to go down I don't know what are your thoughts on that Chris I mean, I think the danger is we, you know, artists specifically do not have traditional like career paths in their uh, head of them. There's no real salary. It's more like job to job to job. Like insurance is a lot trickier to manage and understand. Saving finances is harder to understand. And in general, there's not as much pay in 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 terms of other careers uh, when you compare it to like an art career versus like film, for instance. So I can, to some degree, I can understand there's a lot of like panic for people in this industry who are trying to go back to work as soon as possible because they need to get money so they can actually live and pay rent and do all these other jazz. Um, so there's a lot of tension on that side of things. But additionally, there's a lot of tension in the media and seeing like this, essentially this captive audience that you can, you know, produce for and create for. And arguably it's one of the best times to show off things but it's one of the worst times to create them because you're risking your health every single time you go on set so i don't really think that the industry and such is going to really get back to its peak until much later or unless we take extremely extremely high health precautions to make sure everyone's safe but that's going to cost a lot of money and a lot of resources to do yeah, quick thing real fast. I mean, I think this is a good, I think people are just going to have to get more creative with creating. I mean, this could be its its own <laughs> separate conversation, but uh, we just wrapped a job that we had to get creative on that was kind of like starting up before, you know, Corona hit uh, big time here. And we had to like figure out a way to, you know, the, the, the project had like big aspirations and like asked a lot. Um, so we had to figure out a way to make it from home now, you know, instead of going out and filming it. And uh, it turned out to be possible with uh, stock footage and just tons of pre-shot assets and also remote shooting in a safe way um, through FaceTime and, that kind of stuff so i think there's 
options if if you don't want to be on set you can figure out a way to still get things done and you know use your creative power in that way i think the initial reaction for people has been like i don't know you've seen stuff like the parks and rec reunion where it's just like one long zoom call or facetime call or whatever that's like the immediate idea that people have had but like i think there just is so much room for figuring out new ways to do things differently yeah when people i think hear stock footage i think we still get like an immediate reaction that's negative but alex i know the piece that the two pieces that you recently made i mean they're as much um like your thing as it is anything else that you've like physically shot just because like stock footage is um can look pretty darn good now and and it's really the idea that you bring into how you use stock footage that really um <clears throat> turns it into like a piece of its own totally i mean the process <laughs> i feel like it's hard to talk about it without talking about it but like the process of that thing was like it was basically the same as making a normal thing, but the writing was a little different because now we're writing for these pre-shot, you know, collections of footage and like, here are all our pieces. Well, what can we write with them? You know, so the, the process changed a little bit, but not, um, you know, has its like limitations, but uh, in some ways we're able to do more than I think we could have um you know just traditionally yeah one thing i think that's going to come out pretty soon is we're really going to see who the creative people are compared to the more technical people because right now the creative people can really use this chance to just like create and shine while technical people are more of just trying to think on how they can work out of this pretty much yeah and and at the same time of that, you know, it it does suck for a lot of the technical people because they don't, may not have the creative juices in order to, but I think, you know, finding new ways to do things um, and finding new mediums and ways to show um, bigger pieces are, you know, have definitely been on the mindset of a lot of people nowadays in the big studios. Um, if we're speaking on the, like, strictly the... Um, streaming streaming services and theater standpoints, you know, Disney released Onward on on Disney Plus um, rather than having a theatrical release. And uh, I think Christopher Nolan's Tenant is scheduled to be to be released on like July seventeen or something like that. And Christopher Nolan, you know, is a huge or he he likes people to see his movies in theaters as opposed to you know home um, on the on the screen you know so we're having you know christopher nolan's mindset of like you know films deserve to be watched in theaters but films can't exactly be watched in theaters now um, so having i think what articles have been saying is you know um tenant will be a good you know way to gauge how people will be willing to go back to theaters and how studios will be able to make their money back in a lower capacity setting but you know, that might not drive the biggest profits. Another movie might be Mulan um, as, as a way to gauge, you know, the way that people, at least theaters, will be able to, like, reopen and um, hopefully make some of their losses back. Uh, 
Eric, what are your thoughts on like people going back to theaters and uh, at 25% capacity or maximum of, of 100? Yeah, I mean, personally, like I have no interest in being in a movie theater right now at all. <laughs> um, I think it'll be interesting to see like, I wouldn't be surprised if like, depending on where you are in the country, whether or not people are actually like going in and it'll be interesting to see if that 25% capacity like gets hit frequently or not. Um, because I don't know, I feel like the, the movie theater setting kind of ticks all the wrong boxes for, you know, what we know about what we know, which is like an evolving thing about, you know, the coronavirus and stuff like that. Um, and like, certainly for me, like going to see a movie in a theater versus seeing it on my TV at home is like not worth <laughs> that risk. Um, I get why like theaters want to open and, you know, I'm sure there's people out there that are, I guess, really missy going to movie theaters, but um, I honestly kind of think that like this could be potentially be like the final, I don't know, maybe death knell or the final dip for like the movie theater business. Cause I think just overall it's been on like a big downturn and it's really honestly just kind of a luxury at this point to like see a movie that way. And cause it's like, you know, if let's say for example, you go to see, you have like a Netflix subscription and you want to go see like a movie, like seeing a movie is more expensive than like a month of like Netflix or something like that. And so like, you know, if you have a, a decent TV, you know, set up at home and it's not just like, I mean, even if you're just watching on your laptop or something like that, you can get the bulk of like most movie, like content wise, movies and TV shows and things like that, like without having to spend, you know, basically a month's worth of like a, a streaming subscription to, to go see it in the theater. So I think it is one of those things that like, I don't know, it's circumstances like these where some of the the luxury experiences like that, I think, start to die off or really shrink at least. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how important it is to people to be able to go back to a movie theater now that they can. But I mean, who knows? Like, I don't know what the plan is for how long that 25% capacity is going to be in place. Um, but just the fact that like studios aren't really able to be making movies right now makes me think that like even as people get comfortable maybe going back to theaters if there's like a vaccine or something like that i feel like they're just going to be strapped for like new content for man like a year and a half two years maybe and especially if companies are already adjusting to like well maybe we just do a you know maybe we just do a streaming service release instead of a theatrical release um I don't really know all the details, but I assume there's less expense associated with just publishing a movie digitally than, you know, sending it out to theaters and things like that. I don't really know, but um, I don't know that like the theater business is as lucrative as it used to be for studios. I think they're all adjusting and getting ready for their primary business model just to be like streaming service platforms, whether it's rentals or whether it's just being packaged as part of a monthly subscription. So I don't know. My, my take is that like this could be kind of the end possibly. Yeah, most definitely. And even for the at 25% capacity, 
um, or a maximum of 100 theaters still have to um, wipe down every seat after it's used. And it's recommended to use disposable seats if, if possible. So, I mean, that's another factor to take into that. But yeah, we'll have to see, you know, what people do, like you said, after COVID and um, how things will resume. Right. Um, but I think that uh, is one of those things that's going to have very tangible longer term effects. Just because, again, it's that whole machine of like how long it takes to get set up for a movie and then how long it takes to make a movie and then how long it takes to edit and release a movie like it just seems like even even if we had like a vaccine tomorrow and everyone like got the vaccine tomorrow there would still be like a really long period of you know impact yeah definitely like you know we might see more you know animations in the next couple of years as people can re work remotely and safely but you know uh John, how do you think COVID will affect the way stories are going to be presented in the next couple of years? You know, will it be um, will it affect the the storytelling as far as you know people being shown? You know, will we see face coverings a lot more? Um, will we see more animations? You know, how do you think um, COVID will affect storytelling? Man, I really don't know. I think anybody's guess is as good as mine. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think Alex, you're you're probably right in that people are just like this next batch of content that's going to be created is probably going to live in, and I would hope a more creative space due to some of these limitations. I I mean I'm curious to see how studios are actually going to be able to function at any capacity or what direction they ultimately choose to go in because. Um, like the circumstances definitely break like every single model that they have in place. Um, I mean, and even for us working in pretty small capacities, like it's it's hard even getting like small teams together um, <clears throat> to do anything, even in the commercial space. Because once you count the key people needed to actually shoot things and and your cast, then I mean that's already quite a large group that you have going on. I don't know. <laughs> Anybody else have any thoughts on like what kind of stories we'll see post COVID or in COVID? Um, I think we'll see a lot. Well, I think we'll get two very different branches of stories. We'll get a lot of very happy stories to try and lighten the mood of this whole time. And then we'll also get very pandemic-y stories again, sort of like the contained contagion movies and stuff like that and i think that'll be the two main sort of things that we'll see directly after this or in this too because people are just going to try and take advantage of what they can like they always have i guess we'll see yeah, a lot of definitely. social justice movies coming out too yeah, yeah. oh yeah totally. that for sure totally yes. you know, i think the thing that i'm curious to see is like how people will approach like the the original storytelling was kind of all about like the fact that we're all stuck at home but like now that that's kind of like established like yeah how will people be telling different stories about other things that are going on like like some of the social justice issues and just like all of the stories out there right now as we continue to be kind of contained because that 
that was kind of the thing that stood out to me is at first it's like okay it's like funny that like all these talk show hosts are like doing their shows from like their backyard or whatever or like their bedroom and and there's all these like commercials that are coming out that have been like you know variations on the webcam zoom call kind of you know whatever but i think it'll be, i think kenton's right like there's there's probably going to be a lot of like people trying to make positive content and it'll be interesting to see what that looks like once we get out of the, the just like the basic structure of like telling the story about what's happening to us like stuck inside our house right now yeah i think that you know it'll definitely be interesting to see the quality of the content that will come out um, because you know if studios are you know going downhill because of the pandemic and losing money then you know where will the money come from in order to make this good content um, or the the content that we're used to the quality of the content that we're used to seeing and then kind of like uh, what you guys were saying earlier um, John that you know it's, it's hard to get people together to do a small scale thing especially during this time, you know, how it will affect the, lar the larger things, especially if there's no money involved or little money involved. I think one of the guidelines is that only essential crew would be allowed on set. And then if there's anything that requires a group setting, then it has to be kept to a minimum as possible. So if people are, you know, needed to make this, uh, this large setup, um, as soon as that thing is set up, they have to leave in order to keep the social distancing. So, I mean, on that measure and on the creative side, you know, I don't know how exactly the content will be created, at least in the way that we're used to. So, I don't know. What do, what do you guys think are some new ideas or new creative ways of storytelling? now in, in the era of like you know minimal group setting you know working from working remotely you guys have spoken earlier about using stock footage and trying to have people shoot remotely um so will, will we see a lot more like equipment maybe being bought from individuals so that they can film at home by themselves or like well just a lot of people just move to, to the other industries move to other jobs and careers because it's not sustainable at the moment nor will it be for like the next couple of years um, I don't know, Eric, what are your thoughts on that? I have no idea. <laughs> that's that's kind of the simplest. This is all definitely just super speculative. But um, I will say I actually had an interesting conversation yesterday with um, a first AD who's done a lot of like feature and big network like TV work. And he was saying that, so he he's had a pretty significant period of no work right now. Um, and I think in anticipation of some of this, this loosening of regulations and things like that, he's been in meetings and conversations with like producers and studio executives and stuff like that and that whole kind of thing. Um, and he was telling me that like the, the landscape right now is changing like super fast because at least according to him, a lot of the studio heads right now are basically making their decisions on the assumption that like a typical full-scale normal crew won't be possible for the next two to three years. And so there's actually a lot of discussion about like finding ways to take industry veterans, like really established writers, producers, things like that, and then pairing them with 
you know, I mean, they're looking at everything like big YouTube personalities, people who have, you know, strong social media following, uh, people who have, you know, they're looking at people's like Vimeo channels and stuff like that. And basically just finding a way to see if there's any way that they can take a look at what's out there that could potentially be produced on a smaller scale, not necessarily like just filmed from home, quote unquote, but at the very least what they can do to get people that have like fresh ideas that are almost intentionally like outside the normal Hollywood system and finding a way to like bring them in with industry veterans to create new fresh things on a much smaller scale. Cause it's, they're specifically looking for people that are maybe closer to like the film school space or self-taught DIY that are versed in like working with not a hundred person crew to get stuff done. And so I think I have no clue really what's going to happen or really what it's going to look like. You know, none of us do, but, but I think we will start to see a big shift in like, I think that whole idea that like, content creation has been like democratized by the internet and by cheaper equipment and stuff like that. I think COVID is like pushing that to like a whole new level um, and forcing some of the old like industry vanguards to consider other alternatives just to be able to make stuff safely. And, and I hope that what it ends up meaning is that we start seeing stories from a wider group of people that are, picked selected and like you know polished and presented based on like the quality of the story and the freshness of the idea um because that was another thing that this this ad i was talking to said is that one thing that he's gotten really tired of is that he feels like because it's so <laughs> such a crazy idea to spend millions of dollars on a movie or a tv show the studios are like fairly reserved in who they're comfortable with leading those projects and so he said that what he's seen is that that tends to mean that like there's a fairly limited group of people that are making everything we watch and it has like broadened over the years and you know people come and go and things like that but there is like a certain limitation to who can be invited to the meeting because of just the huge numbers at stake and he was saying that he sees the potential for that that mindset to be shifting and that he hopes that means that like we're just going to be getting even more newer fresher better stories and ideas because they're willing to talk to to other people that are outside the system and and part of the reason that they might be willing to do that is it might cost them less money which is just how the industry works but but um that's something that i'm kind of expecting to see is maybe some more like unusual arrangements and honestly kind of the deconstructing of the typical Hollywood system even further than it's already been deconstructed recently. So I don't know. I think COVID might be a catalyst for that. We'll see. Oh man. <laughs> that gave me a lot to think about. Yeah. It's interesting to, to think about a, you know, streaming coming into play with Netflix and then all, everyone, everything just kind of, went from there and then now with COVID pushing streaming and now potentially rendering big Hollywood productions obsolete and not possible. I honestly don't know 
um, how <laughs> or what type of things we'll, we'll be able to see um, in the next couple of years. But I mean, another side effect of, of COVID is that at least for the people who um, have largely, you know, taken quarantine and self-isolation and social distancing um, to, to like the back of their minds or not to the back of their minds, but like, you know, in, in their minds, you know, they're, you know, will we start just having a negative view of um, when we see people together, you know, in, in like a, you know, close-knit setting, you know, I know that, you know, since California has been slowly been reopening, you know, we see, you know, a couple of groups, you know, out um, at the restaurants that have been opening, you know, we see people without masks and then um, at least, and then, you know, groups of people who, you know, are not family members, you know, being together, you know, they probably don't have COVID. Um, I, I said, I hope they don't have COVID. But like, A, you don't know, B, they're wearing masks. They're not keeping like you safe as well as like them. And like, they're not respecting others because of that. And then um, like, it's now kind of ingrained in my mind that whenever I see two people together, it's like, oh, you know, it's like, what are they doing? Uh, so I don't know. It, so there's that side effect of, of COVID and you know, e even watching older movies when you know it's like, you know, pre-COVID, like, and you see, you know, let's just say, like a Martin Scorsese movie of like, um, you know, people together, like set in real life. It's like in modern day, it's like, huh, you know, it's like, what, what's happening? COVID. But then you're like, oh, it's just like, you know, made in like 2006. You know, it's like, oh, okay, uh, and so. Okay, but you know, it, it takes you a second to think about that and to come to that realization. But you know I don't know, Alex, what do you think about, you know, when we see people out in public and we see, when we see people um on screen, you know, will COVID kind of change the way that, you know, intimate scenes are shot or like, you know, even like just seeing people together? Like will that be something that like filmmakers will have to think about? in terms of storytelling until like maybe like the next five years when like things like ha like come back to pre-COVID? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> first of all, I, I'm hoping that all of this is just super temporary. Um, and, I, <laughs> and with that, like, I think, I think people aren't even going to be like disturbed by that honestly in like six months i mean people have already forgotten this whole thing exists and are going to restaurants and are going shopping doing whatever like you're saying without masks and it's like it just wasn't even here like if you go walk around like a shopping area or whatever there's like people walking around everywhere and dogs are out and it's like nothing ever happened but we we had no reason to get to that place now like what do you guys know that i don't know you know <laughs> like every time i see someone just walking around in a group or at a restaurant like uh where did you find the cure <laughs> like let me know because <laughs> i'm tired of wearing the mask so i think that's shown us like people have a 
people kind of just forget things really easily and, and you know, shrug them off. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully we get some kind of vaccine or medication or something soon. Because I think people, I think we'll go back to um, telling the stories we used to pretty soon. Um, but probably in a new, you know, with a new lens, hopefully with, um, you know, <laughs> all the um, political stuff going on right now and people being heard for the first time in a long time um, or for the first time ever. I think a lot of people have a lot more chances now to tell their story and people are being vocal um, about all kinds of stuff. So I, I think there's definitely some positives that have come out as bad as, you know, this virus is and how it's affected everyone super negatively. I think there's definitely been some positive um, changes and opening of eyes, if that makes sense. Yeah, because I, I definitely don't think this COVID situation is going to be like a defining moment for humanity in, in that kind of a way where, you know, life is never going to um, go back to the norm that we knew before it. I mean, hopefully it comes sooner rather than later. But I mean, if this virus defines us as like a human race, I think we have a bigger issue to talk about than how to reopen this industry. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm glad that, you know, even with, with what's happening recently, um, even coronavirus has been able to take a back seat in a sense, in light of like more important issues that need to be talked about. We will get to that in our next podcast. I think we should just name it um, since we kind of keep dancing around in vague terms. Obviously, based on the date of this podcast recording, we're talking about Black Lives Matter. And we wanted to make sure we gave that topic the equal space and room to be talked about in a fair manner. We didn't want to... Um, speak for other people we wanted to listen and so we delayed talking about the topic until it was more accurately approached so that will come in the next episode just so people know what we're vaguely skirting around at the moment <laughs> but i think it is safe to say we're all in support yeah, of it and uh <laughs> you know being vocal yeah, yeah. we just don't want it to be an asterisk to this discussion it needs Social to be media. its own its own thing not just shoehorned into the COVID discussion is bigger than that. Definitely. Um, moving, moving um, at least for John, you're, you're talking about COVID not being a defining moment or hopefully it won't be a defining moment. Well, do you think people will like keep more things in consideration when they're like doing, when, when they're on film sets and on film production, you know, maybe that's hygiene, you know, maybe that's like occasionally cleaning a C-stand um, because we all know how dirty those can get, you know, or we'll, I mean, I'm sure though there, there are people that will just like not care because um, we've seen California beaches um, as soon as that they reopened. Um, but do you think at least it will, you know, COVID will instigate some, you know, good, changes um in on on set you know Oscar, you're talking about you know um, storytelling and of course black lives matter but as far as like on set goes do you think COVID will instigate some good changes 
I mean, not only on set, but I think as kind of an American people, I, I mean, I guess I'm hoping that people are going to be more mindful of um, sickness, I guess, in, in general. Because when, um, w with things like masks and, and hand sanitization and washing hands and all that kind of stuff, like when SARS swept through, you know, Asia and Hong Kong and everything, like it kind of normalized the whole mask wearing issue where, whereas a lot of people that I know who are from Hong Kong, you know, if you're just sick with like a cough or cold, like it's, it's not uncommon for them just to voluntarily wear a mask. I think hopefully uh, Americans can take a little bit from that because yeah, like a cold or it's just another coronavirus that you can also spread. And so I guess it makes sense if you don't want to spread it around to try and prevent that. And so hopefully in the back of all of our minds, um, in everything that we do, we're just going to be a little bit more um, cautious in how we approach things, especially when we're sick. And hopefully that that can be kind of like a nationwide um, motivation to do so, given this new insight that we have through this COVID-19 pandemic. But I mean, on set, I mean, going back to just how sets move, um, I, I know part of the the county's guidelines it's you know every after every use of a truck you have to sanitize it and i'm like man if you're say like gaffer who's an owner operator and you have a a grip truck that you have with you know filled to the brim with stands and lights and everything that you know your the whole crew touches on a daily basis are you really gonna go wipe everything down after every day like it's that's also probably not gonna happen um but I hopefully in like the little decisions that everybody makes every day from here on out, it, it'll make some kind of a difference moving forward. Yeah, I hope there's just like an increase in like mindfulness too. And that like, especially in situations like this, like there are little things that like are important, you know? Um, and this is like even a totally separate discussion, but I hope that this kind of like makes people think about being sick differently. There's like this, you know, I'm not familiar with how the rest of the world works, but there is definitely this like intense aversion to like missing work when you're sick. Like people just like come into work when they're sick all the time. And and I've been reading that like, you know, the they're anticipating that, you know, because of all the stuff that's happening and people staying home, like the regular flu this year, they're anticipating having a much smaller impact because like people just aren't interacting. And, and just in general, like what would things like that be like if people were just you know and I'm not, I'm not putting the blame entirely on like the individuals i think part of the way the system works it, it punishes you quite a bit for makes it difficult to like you know stay home when you're sick like oh man like i can't like in, in putting it in terms of like film production like oh man like i'm i'm this role on a set and like man i just got sick i don't want to like risk losing my spot by saying i can't come in tomorrow you know like what if i can't find a replacement like uh man i'll just I, I don't feel that bad i'll just go you know like and what happens if everyone gets sick you know maybe it's not coronavirus but like you know i think in general people would spend less time being sick if everyone was you know more concerned about or less concerned about like the consequences of not coming or going to work there's definitely like a 
I think another problem there that like this is providing an opportunity to to look at and think about. But but yeah, like I, I do hope there's just some general like mindfulness that people take to you know every everything you do can have like an impact on what's happening. Right, and I mean there are definitely situations where that that like that has like a pretty high consequence too. Like if you're a director for a multi-million dollar movie set and you become sick a day, I mean, that has the same uh, physical implications as, you know, a PA coming sick for a day. Um, but hopefully in those instances, like we'll be mindful enough to not see it as a taboo to like wear a mask or um, take extra precautions to try and prevent spread as much as possible. Definitely. Speaking of work, one of the guidelines is, of course, keep maintaining social distancing if you're in the office and on set, and also digital documents um, whenever possible. So, Eric, I'm sure you've worked with a lot of digital documents within the past um, couple months. Kenton, you and I, at least when you know COVID started, you know, coming to people's minds uh, early March, you know, we started wiping everything down with Clorox wipes and. Um, and now we're, of course, we're working remotely um, at home. Uh, how do you think, uh, I'll, I'll go with you, Kenton, how do you think um, COVID will affect at least, you know, doing things remotely, digitally, uh, on, on the work standpoint? Well, I think it will... Uh if we don't come up with like a vaccine for a while, I think we'll continue to see a lot of people, not only in the film industry, but everywhere, just continuing to work from home rather than going in because it's just way safer. And then for the film industry, I think you'll see a lot less of like face-to-face -face interaction between people like the editors and sound editors and stuff with the director and rather just either phone calls or FaceTime calls and things like that. Because I think people at least the smart people will just try not to have as much interaction because you don't want to get sick. Like, oh, everyone's just been staying so far. Like, no one wants to get sick. And the smart people will stay safe in this whole process. Yes, of course. And, you know, maybe even um, you're able to work with somebody, you know, across the country or, you know, people who wouldn't normally be able to work with you because you can work remotely and you can do FaceTime calls or, or Zoom calls uh, mm -hmm. across time zones. Uh, Eric and Alex, do you think this will allow more opportunities for like pitching uh, studios? You know, you don't have to drive to LA and like wait 45 minutes in like a waiting room to like do a pitch. Do you think, you know, you're now like almost allowed to do a pitch, um, at least a, like a quote in person pitch quote, like through a Zoom call? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think this this like time is definitely opening people up to new ways of doing things. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know that there's any anything like immediately right now that's changed. But I mean, it's possible that 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 may be a way that things start working moving forward. That you know, definitely there has been a reevaluation of like what has to happen in person and what doesn't have to happen in person. That's for sure. Yeah, I think people have adopted for the most part pretty positively to like these types of calls, like Zoom and you know just video calls. I think people, everyone's had to do it, so 
I think people are pretty familiar with it. And yeah, I think it's more efficient in some ways because you don't just like get on a video call with without a plan, you know, and just sit around and like, so, you know, it's like, okay, you're going to talk about one thing. And then once it's done, you don't stick around. It's like, you want to get off the camera, you know? So yeah, I think in terms of like pitching and then that kind of stuff, um, hopefully it doesn't, hopefully it just opens up more doors for people, you know, and makes things more efficient. Definitely. And of course, you know, it does reduce the commute time. <laughs> uh, Chris, something that's like kind of related to the film industry, but well, I mean, it's something related to the film industry, but at least for music and when you're, you know, performing soundtracks, you know, will this affect the way that we will hear music? Like, I know it's not like your exact specialty with the production sound, but, you know, if, if you're having an orchestra together, that means a lot of air blowing and that means, you know, it going everywhere. Like, and one of the guidelines is, you know, uh, music performers doing it at home, if possible. You know, how will that change the way we, I mean, if there's an orchestra all performing at home individually and then put together, will that change or affect the way we hear it? Uh, the answer is yes, e easily yes. So um, the places where people traditionally perform music are designed architecturally to have that sound in that space. So every room has a specific sound character to it based off of what material it's made of, based off the shape of the room, based off of what's in the room that absorbs sound or deflects sound or such. So that by itself changes how something feels, really. Like, there's a lot of really minute things that most people will not be able to pick out, but you'll be able to feel a difference depending on where something is performed. Um, if an orchestra is recorded in a space where an orchestra is made to perform, it's going to sound very much like that space versus people now recording at home they are having the characteristic sound of that room that they're recording in but they also have a different sound depending on where a mic is placed so for instance when you record music you have a professional person there to set up the microphone for whoever's playing an instrument to set up multiple microphones to capture different types of sound with different diaphragms of microphone and then ultimately you have their expertise in mixing it recording it making sure it captures effectively now, when you ask um, musicians or you ask people who don't who don't necessarily know the language of that to essentially do that job, there's going to be varying degrees of success because not everyone has the best mic quality. Not everyone has a room that is perfect for whatever they're recording in. Not everyone knows how to record digitally the most effective way, or they may not know how to listen to specific things. So in my opinion, the way that sound and music is right now and being recorded right now depending on the skill level of the people performing is going to sound different for the next couple of years. Granted, that's, you know, that's my opinion on that matter. And there's also been great success with people who've just been taking very clean, professionally recorded sounds and mixing essentially with stock sound and stock music. Um, that is also a new avenue too. But for anything that's trying to be recorded live and used remotely is definitely going to sound different or whoever's mixing it's going to have to spend a heck of a lot more time working on that music and working on that project to make it sound unified yes moving on john do you think 
in light of COVID-19, do you think this will like open the door for the risk takers, for the ones that aren't afraid of getting sick or the ones who um, need or like just are, are willing to take that risk? Do you think this will open the door for those type of people um, to go out and like do things for companies or uh, studios? Uh, probably certainly for companies. Um, studios, I think that's that's all just going to depend on how the industry allows for creators. But that definitely for companies. I mean, companies, uh, if they want content, I think um, it's much easier to to hire somebody when they don't have to think about like the health implications, especially if they don't have to be involved. And so I think that'll definitely be quite a bit of that. Um, but I mean, as creators, I, I think hopefully everybody will realize that there's, you know, a social um, standard that we should uphold, at least for the time being. But I mean, people are going to do what they're going to do, which we, we're definitely already seeing now. I think too, like, there's always the like risk that in any circumstance, there's someone that could potentially like undercut you or take something away by being the one that's willing to like, you know, I guess kind of give up something. And in that case, that could be giving up, you know, safety or something like that. Um, and so I think that like, there's definitely kind of a, I hope a two way sense of responsibility as we move forward that, that kind of exists where, you know, from the top down companies and entities need to make sure that what they're doing isn't unnecessarily putting people's lives, you know, at risk. And I think there's also a responsibility to just because the nature of the way this works that like, you know, if you go on a job and you get sick, it's not like you're just the, you're the only one that suffers that consequence. You know, anybody that you interact with after you get sick, you are then, you know, potentially exposing to that. So like you get sick on a set, you go home, you got to go grocery shopping at some, some point or something like that. Right. Unless you're like someone that's completely staying home and not interacting with anybody. Like there is a responsibility to just to make sure that, you know, it's not just you that's at stake, I guess, basically. And so I hope there is like a two way kind of sense of responsibility there that, you know, yeah, let's, let's do a room with a hundred people, like, you know, in a small soundstage and, yeah, it'll probably be fine, whatever, like the, the infection rate here is low or something, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it's like, that's, that's like not really a good idea. And, and I hope that people are just mindful of, I guess, the social and moral implications beyond just the financial ones. Because um, I know, especially in this industry with the huge amounts of monies that, that move around um, and those huge, those huge amounts that haven't been moving around, like, I think there could be potential for you know, some of that stuff to start getting a little sticky. And I just hope that the people are responsible about it and, and aren't like afraid to, you know, kind of stand up and be like, mm, no, that's not like a, that's not a reasonable thing for you to ask me to do, you know? Yeah. And circling back to just how <clears throat> studios need to prepare for any circumstances that happen if they choose to go and move ahead with a project like talking about any project, like if you have say a month long project and midway through like somebody gets it, like the, 
are they really going to be prepared to say we're like halfway through and we have to stop like tomorrow um knowing that that person probably has spread it far and wide already i mean it's just a tough set of circumstances to have to deal with and, and a tougher one if you do move ahead and things go awry yeah at least on on that standpoint i would hope that studios will be able to to stop production i know at least when for at least when i think mission impossible five or six tom cruise broke his ankle and of course he's a big star so everybody everybody had to shut down um but I hope they'll be able to do that for a small, or at least if, you know, if it's a PA, you know, they'll have to shut down everything. At least I hope so. Yeah. I mean, that's like an extra requirement at this point. Like if you can't make it happen without like fail safes to allow for shutdown, if someone gets sick, like that needs to mean that you can't even start to begin with, you know, if you can't do that. Definitely. As we wrap up here, are there any uh, further thoughts, comments, or questions that you guys feel like will are important to say in the wake of COVID nineteen in the film industry? Wear a mask. <laughs> I mean, I think the most important thing to note is that as the industry reopens, and if you are in a situation where you have to have to work make sure you look for the sets that are keeping your best interests in mind. If you are going back to work, make sure that they are complying with as many or, if, or all of the guidelines set forward for resuming a production. Make sure you yourself are taking your job seriously and taking the health of other people seriously um, by protecting yourself with gloves, masks, sanitizing wipes, making sure, you know, you're wiping down the things that you use and the things that you interact with other people with whatever your specific role in that set is and be as safe as you possibly can. If you have to go to work, I do not suggest it, but if you're in a position where you have no choice financially, be as safe as you possibly can to make sure that the industry can open a lot safer and a lot sooner than it is at the moment. And I think it's also like on top of that, going to be important for you to realize that um, you should, if you've read, you know, how they're trying to keep you safe and the measures that they're putting in place, you should take that, um, but also prepare to essentially be put in situations a couple levels uh, less comfortable than what they're aspiring to become. Because if you're arriving on set, uh, it's going to be a lot harder to say, no, that's like crossing my boundary. I'm not going to do that. Um and I think you should expect to have uh, some of those expectations and boundaries of safety crossed if you do choose to go to work. Because I think in any situation um, nowadays, like once you're on site, humans just have a tendency to want to come together. And um, uh, most of the time that comes at the cost of uh, letting those guidelines of safety uh, slide by uh, quite easily. So just make sure that you're you're comfortable with a few a uh, few more extreme examples than what they're trying to like strive for. Right, like what what they lay out as the the game plan that can be like your minimum level like comfort threshold. 
um, because yeah, I mean, there just is that added complexity that like, you know, okay, like you're here, are you really going to leave just because like, I forgot the, forgot the thermometer or whatever, like, you know, like, and you know, obviously that's not okay, but like, if the, the guidelines laid out are your, like, that's like at the edge, edge of what you're comfortable with, like, it's still probably not a good idea to like take them up on it because, you know, even if like the person who hired you is going through all the steps, there may be another crew member that's like, uh, no, I don't like, I'm not as worried about it. So like, I don't know, I haven't been cleaning my gear. Or I'm, I haven't been doing this, that or whatever. Or like, you know, maybe they're getting way more close than you're comfortable with or something like that. And yeah, I think John's, John's on the money there that like, if those guidelines are the, the bear, like that's like the edge of what you're comfortable with. And it's probably still not a good idea to, to go to work. Yeah. And also just like, be safe. Like this, this whole coronavirus is not political. It's purely a physical phenomenon that we just have to be mindful of. So like, don't, don't let people pressure you into letting loose if you know, you you should be wearing masks. You should be uh, taking precautions, um, making sure you're keeping up hygiene. Right. It's not just like an opinion that you know one group has and another group doesn't have, or whatever. Like it's it's a physical manifestation that has a certain degree of risk for your life and for the lives of people around you. So, you know, I think some people do treat it a little bit not quite like it's imaginary, but like it is a matter of opinion and it's, it's not. So yeah, being safe is important and, and being comfortable, <laughs> you know, if someone's impeding on your sense of safety and, and the reality of your safety, you know, not, not letting them push you around in that regard. I think the good news, at least for student filmmakers and student films that, you know, if you can get access to gear somehow, if you don't have any or whatever, um, I think student small student films will be largely unaffected, you know, just because they're small regardless, you know, and you can probably um, make time to be safe and to clean things properly because, you know, most likely you're the one funding it and most likely it's not a lot of funds anyways. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't think it uh, has to stop anyone's creativity or storytelling. Um, you can still get out there and, and make stuff. Maybe not exactly, you know, what you had intended for or whatever. Obviously we, we all have to adapt in some way, but um yeah, I think it's a good time to get creative and keep practicing, you know. That's it. Thanks once again to Chris, Kenson, Eric, John, and Alex for joining me on the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you listen to the next episode. Thank you for listening. <laughs>